Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. And this is Blue White Game Week. T. Frank, I can't wait to see some actual football. Yeah, so being a film analyst is kind of a bummer in the offseason when there's not a lot of new film. You end up uh, walking over the same path over and over and over again. I think I've written about Tig Brown a little too much this offseason. So (laughs) seeing some new stuff will be great. It, It will be fantastic. And speaking of the game, another reminder, don't forget, we've got the big tailgate bash in association with the We Are NIL Collective to benefit Penn State student-athletes, we are going to have that at the Revel XP lot prior to the game. Right now, it looks like great weather for it. We're going to have great food, great beer from uh, New Trail Beer, wine from Blue White Winery, even a Bloody Mary bar. And we're going to have T. Frank there. This is your chance to see him in the flesh, huh? Yeah, I I don't normally tailgate. Uh, because uh, on game day, I'm very nervous, but it's the blue white game. So I will absolutely be there. It's funny. Like I went from zero to having a pregame show, a tailgate and, you know, being at the game for the first time in a while. So I will be fully overstimulated and I'll be fully engaged uh, in the day. So it's going to be fun. Which also means it's going to be a heck of a show next week after all of this information comes barreling in for T-Frag. Please join us. The way to get there is go to the website, thetailgateclub.com. That's where all the ticketing is set up. And you could get more information, even right down to a menu. We hope to see you there. All right, T-Frag. Lots going on. Not just the blue-white game, which we will get to, but some Big-time recruits coming in this past week. We also had a transfer running back. But let's start with the big name in all of this, which is Quentin Martin from Bell Vernon. He's listed officially as an athlete. He's a pretty big guy, 6'2", around 200 pounds. It sounds like Penn State's recruiting him as a running back. First of all, wasn't this a little bit of a surprise, him announcing when he did? Uh, Yes, to me it was. And, and so just th- there's a couple of things about uh, Quinton that are all super interesting. First is we have him at 185 uh, at on3. So somewhere uh, 185 and 200 is a pretty big delta. But with his frame, it's not a surprise. Like it's hard to pin down how big he is because of the way he's built, which we'll get to in just a little bit. But to your to your question about like the surprise, I think Penn State, thought this was going to go into official visit season and it was going to be something they had to uh, really work out and, and, and fight for down to the end. Uh, a couple things happened in recruiting. We, uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to give away too much of not my information, but uh, Ohio state Penn state was a battle for Quentin Martin. Some things happened in recruiting that, you know, kind of context clues would say maybe Ohio state was not going to, uh, give him the same situation Penn State was. Um, and, you know, just if you read what he said, he loves Penn State. It's always been about, um, it's always been a strong lean for him. He's always had a, a you know, an affinity for the Nittany Lions. So one thing leads to another and uh, they get 
the 41st player in the on three industry ranking to commit in April. And that's a huge win for a recruiting run they've been on. It is. It's a big time win. And although listed as an athlete, as I mentioned, it sounds like Penn State is recruiting him as a running back. Is that his best position? Is this also <laughs> a situation where this is what Quentin Martin wanted to do? Why yeah. is he a run, going to be a running back at Penn State? Yeah, he's going to be a running back because that's what he wants to be, and that's primarily where he played last season. So he is a he is a slash player. Bell Vernon played him at receiver, uh, you know, at running back primarily, but there was a full game where he was basically out at receiver, just destroying on the outside because he's big, he's fast, and he's explosive. So uh, he's got the ability to play a couple different positions. Uh, at cor- he plays corner on defense, which is a little bit hilarious. I said I said uh, earlier this week on actually it was last week on Friday. Wow, all the days just melt together. Um, on Friday, I said it looks like a Mike linebacker. They just walked him out over the the X receiver and said, "Hey, just shut this guy down." And he beats the crap out of every receiver out there on the edge. Like he is super physical. Uh, he, he lunges, he does all the the things that maybe you don't want a top corner to do. But if you consider him as not a corner, he's got exceptional man coverage skills. <laughs> so it's just the, 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 um, you get excited when you think about the, the uh, differences in his play at high school and where he'll play in college and the skills that can translate to a bigger body position. And that's where we come back to his frame. He's got a really high cut frame. So he's got like very long legs and a high center of gravity, but he's still a great athlete for transition skills. He's able to turn and run pretty easily. He's got amazing feet and you can project him anywhere from 205 to 230 pounds. Like he can be any of those things. I know that some people think he can be a safety on defense. I think he's more of a linebacker and uh, on offense, he can play running back or receiver slot outside slash whatever you want. I think he can do all of those things pretty well. And when you fold in his legitimate game breaking kick return skills, uh, you've got a guy that is in it. Just there are so many possibilities for Quentin Martin. And as you describe him, T Frank, you know, when I asked the question next about forecast his Penn state future or how he will be used, especially early on when he gets to campus, Catron Allen and Nick Singleton will still be around, but this seems like the quality of player who has to get on the field. But when I start hearing you say things like he's a great returner, he has played as a wide receiver. It sounds like this could be a kid who can get on the field as a freshman and be used as a third back, a guy who could catch balls out of the backfield, or you put him out at receiver. How much am I projecting correctly or incorrectly there? Uh, so there is still there are still things that need to be worked out in his game, and I think it is good that uh, those two guys are ahead of him still at Penn State because I think as a running back he has some more work to do. There's some more things he needs to learn how to do. His pad level is way too high for my comfort, and I've been banging the table about that. Of that needs to there needs to be some sort of change before he's an instant impact running back because that's going to be what's going to happen. Like it's there is going to be a certain expectation for him of come in and play right away and be a difference maker. Um, I don't know as a running back right now, his skills at the bounce through contact and power through contact. I don't think those are great. Um, But again, he's got a big frame, so you don't really worry about that long term. But it is a short term concern for me. And then um, I think he's got good vision. 
he is a he's a bounce artist. He runs between the tackles well. He's got good patience, but he does like to bounce plays. So there's just some things he needs to clean up as a running back. So I think it's a good thing that he'll be behind Nick Singleton and Catron Allen if that is his long-term position. As a receiver, he was used as a bubble screen, um, three routes sort of guy. He was not asked to do a ton. So his route running is not advanced. Um, so if he is going to be a slash player and they want to use him in a multidimensional way, you do have to have the threat of lining up and running any route from receiver. So something needs to change there as well. And he's got another year. He is a hard worker. I expect all of these things to be much better his senior season. Um, the last part is I actually think he's a pretty good pass blocker. Like he's asked to do a lot of things in the Bell Vernon offense. And one of them is pass protection. And I have seen worse pass protectors a la Nick Singleton uh, in high school. So I think he's a, he, he's a good enough route runner. He's a good enough multidimensional player. He could be a third down back. I, I think that he could come in and that could be a part of his profile, which you don't normally trust a freshman with that third down profile. Now the other two guys are going to have something to say about that, but he is not, I wouldn't imagine he's over his head as a pass protector and as a third down player. So there will definitely be a role for him on the offense. You know, if he continues to grow and he continues to work at those things we just talked about. But there's so many, as you said, so many different avenues. He's just got to improve at one of them to see the field. Very good. And an absolutely exciting recruit. And again, the number one player in Pennsylvania going to Penn State. Uh, real quick in the time, couple minutes we have left, Antoine A.J. Belgrave Shorter, six foot, 180-pound, three-star cornerback out of Mandarin High School. We just... Mentioned Mandarin High School a couple weeks ago when his teammate John Mitchell yeah. committed to Penn State. Uh, what's Penn State getting in Belgrave Shorter? They are getting uh, a lot of what they got in John Mitchell. I think that this is a really good fit for Penn State. Now, I, I said this on our live show or breaking news earlier this week for Blue White Illustrated. Of If you're a Penn State fan and you're looking at the three-star rating, this is one of those situations you need to ignore that because he is a good football player. You look at his list of offers, it is very deep, and they are quality schools. There might be a little more natural ability, and, I, and by that I mean the feet, the instincts, uh, everything else for John Mitchell, but when you talk about size, and I wouldn't say a prototypical outside corner because he doesn't have elite reach, his length isn't amazing, but he has really good ball skills, does A.J. Belgrave Shorter. Um, last season... People didn't throw at John Mitchell, whether the, the quarterback looked over there and it was just the route was locked down. They would look to the other side and they would throw at Belgrave shorter because yeah, at a certain point you have to throw the ball and get rid of it. And he had a lot of plays on the ball. My instinct is that he has a little bit better ball skills than Belgrave short or than than John Mitchell. But also he just got more targets. So he got more exposure, which led to the explosion in the recruiting where he was tested by a lot of good Florida schools and he uh, and Bill and, and Mitchell. They, they absolutely rose to the challenge. They play a lot of man coverage and uh, a good amount of cover three, some off coverages. I wouldn't say a very similar style to Manny Diaz at Penn State because they do a lot more. They do just a lot more at Penn State. But the, the basis of press man corner first is there for both of these guys. And Belgrave Shorter is on par, maybe not quite as good, but on par with John Mitchell, who is a top 100 player. So Penn State's getting an absolute steal. I think in a class that has Luke Reynolds, who's an ultimate sleeper, who runs a 4'6", at 6'4", 2", whatever, you know, he'll be 240, 245. 
And then you've got John Mitchell. There are a lot of sleepers in this class. I think that those two guys, and especially Mitch, uh, Bel- Belgrave Shorter, might be my biggest sleeper in this class of somebody who, if I can ever remember to say the right name, will be a name you need to remember um, come next year. And the interesting thing is not just that he has a teammate that is also coming to Penn State, and there's that much talent in one defensive backfield in high school, but one of their coaches actually trained Cam Miller, so there seems to be this pipeline to Penn State among some defensive backs down in Florida, T. Frank. Yeah, and I I think the last thing I'll say is, um, if again, if you're not convinced— you just have to look at across the field and he looks and feels and plays exactly like a top 100 corner. I wouldn't say he's that high, but he has those similar skills. Very good. That is it for quarter number one. Quarter number two, we're going to start to look at the blue-white game. Stay tuned for that. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from New Trail Brewery all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, it is blue-white game week, which means we get to preview some actual football which is absolutely exciting after going a couple months without football. And I'm really curious, just first of all, in general, going into a game like this, I know you watch a football game very differently than I do as I call myself the ordinary fan. Uh, So I'm really curious now, a game like the blue-white game, how do you watch a game like this? What is it in general that you're looking for? Uh, This is one of my least favorite games because you have to be looking at everything. How I normally watch a Penn State game is I'm watching to see what the play is, um, you know, from an offensive perspective. What's the scheme? What are they trying to accomplish? Run or pass? 
Um, then I'll look at the defense and I'll see what they were doing, right? Or in some order thereof. Like if I'm look if if the defense on the field, I'm trying to see what's the defense doing, what's the scheme, what's the basic coverage plan and the pass rush. But it's Penn State on Penn State, so I have to be looking at those things simultaneously. And also because it's a blue white game, none of that matters because it's all vanilla. It's all the most basic of the things that you could do every once in a while. I think one of the coordinators wants to win. So they'll throw something in a little bit more aggressive, but outside of that, like it, it, those things are less important. It's more about what are the individual players doing? So that means there are 22 evaluations that have to happen on every snap. And it's just physically impossible. So I end up feeling, especially at the blue white game where it's a carnival atmosphere. Anyway, the stakes are much lower. I tend to be a little bit, um, uh, just kind of throw my hands up and be like, well, I'll get it on the replay uh, because there's just so much to watch. There's so much to do in the blue white game that it tends to be one of those ones that I feel a little bit um, behind on every play because you can only pick out so many things. But I am, for the most part, looking at individuals and their performance within what I just explained. And I very much understand that it's about like individuals showing something to us as opposed to concepts because as you said, it's very vanilla. But I also think that there are some players, let's take running back, for example. It doesn't matter what Nick Singleton and Katron Allen do. We already know who they are, what they're about, and whether they even get on the field or not doesn't really matter. And beyond those two, what you have are walk-ons, who, again, it doesn't matter what they do. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of Tank Smith in the first quarter of games come the fall. So my thinking is, it's okay, now what position should we be looking at where it may make a difference in what players do? So it it is not, again, because it's football, it's not even in that vacuum. Because they still try to make it like a football game. And if you don't have Nick Singleton out there, it fundamentally changes how the defense responds to the offense. So I can easily say quarterback is the thing you should be watching, but remember all of the things we just talked about of like more basic schemes and maybe the quarterback is seeing it better. And that's a good thing. If he's seeing the basic schemes and he's nailing it on every play or, um, you know, the, the defense has put the offense in third and long in this simulated game because, you know, they're taking it easy on, the running backs. So those are, it, again, it's not all, it's not in a vacuum. Even those things matter to the offensive structure, but quarterback it, with a, you know, we're four minutes in and I'm saying, how does Drew Aller look as the quarterback when you get to see an extended period of him throwing against the defense? I think that's going to be important to watch in terms of going back to what I said, efficiency. Is he seeing the receivers correctly? Is he identifying the coverage correctly? And is he getting the ball out on time? And those are the things Mike Yersich has talked about in terms of what he's trying to build this offseason for the quarterbacks in spring is those benchmarks of understanding um, what's going on and getting the ball out on time. And that's really just that's the quarter. The quarterback is the point guard. So operating everything efficiently. And and that's really, really important. And then you can get into the nuances of some of the other positional battles, maybe up front, maybe at, at receiver. But for me this year, it is going to be learn as much about Drew Aller and Bo Prabula as possible and see if what I knew previously is the same or different um, after, you know, the looks like game on Saturday. We know 
or we think we know what we're getting in Drew Aller. And Do we? it was fascinating to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I you know, as a fan, I I'm seeing that glass as half full or completely yeah. full, uh, T. Frank, and maybe that's wrong. And I guess what I'm leading up to is I, no matter what Drew Aller does, I'm still going to believe more about what I saw during the season, which wasn't perfect, but we saw all that promise there. And even if yeah. he doesn't play well, I'm still going to anticipate those things, and I'll put more weight on that. Where I was headed with this was Bo Prabula who I feel like we know zero about him. And maybe, you know, I'm still in pain from that Iowa game from a couple years Uh ago when a backup quarterback was forced into the game and could not handle the situation. So I want to know, because I feel like I know nothing really about Bo Perbola except what he did in high school. I almost feel like I'm more concerned about Perbola than I am about Aller. I I would <laughs> so it's so funny. I I I feel like I know more about Bo Prabula than I do about Drew Aller because Drew Aller's game is deeper. It is more I it is more complex at the higher level. And that's not to say Bo Prabula doesn't have the the complex throw the ball into the second window abilities, but I'm saying that Drew Aller's game relies on that. It relies on him being the cerebral signal caller that does the special things because he doesn't have some of those trace McSorley qualities to get him out of a jam when he uh, makes the the wrong decision or the wrong situation presents itself. He is a good scrambler. He is a good guy to get out of the pocket and make some plays, but he's not going to be Houdini back there. I feel like I have a much stronger understanding of Bo Perbula because it is more uh, affixed in my mind. He is a quick decision maker with good feet. He can make the right play. He's going to make, and I, I don't mean this in a disrespectful way. He's going to make the college play where it's going to be an RPO. He's going to throw the ball to the right spot. It's going to be a read option. He's going to keep or run. And it's going to be a quick pass where he understands the concept and he gets the ball out to a guy who can catch and run. Those are all of my expectations for Bo Perbula. Anything he shows me beyond those things, advanced understanding of pushing the ball into the second window, the, you know, taking the big play, the throwing the ball. I think he's got a good arm for the, he's got good deep accuracy. I wouldn't say it is pristine or the best I've ever seen, but from what I know of him and, and these things don't change a whole lot um, from the last time you've seen a guy to, to the, the next time, those are all acceptable traits that he has that are good. How much he can use those and how much he's going to be able to use those in the blue white game is, you know, also things you have to consider of not taking everything you see um, to the the farthest degree. But I want to know more about Drew Aller than I want to know about Bo Prabula because Drew's game is more is more reliant on the complex. Bo's game is more reliant on um, formulaic ways to get the ball to receivers in space and kind of the traditional, modern traditional, I should say offensive schemes that um, put players in conflict where Allers is just, it's more, it's bigger. It's more, it can be more. So you want to see a little bit more. Very good. All right. Let's take a look at a couple of the other positions. Now, one position that I do think I'm looking for something from someone from anyone is that wide receiver. It just feels like every guy 
in that room has something to prove. Now, if they don't perform in the blue-white game, that's not the end of the world, but I'm still looking for someone to be a standout, somebody to show me something there. How are you watching the wide receivers, T. Frank? Through the lens of the quarterback first, but it is also part of the uh, the, the equation. And this is the problem. Is like I thought Mac Hippenhammer had a really good game that was on par with K.J. Hamler a couple years ago in, in the blue-white game. One of those guys played baseball and kind of changed how all of that was going. So it's again, it is one of those sample size things. But for the receivers, uh, it, it's tough because of game plan. You know, like if you're he, this situation, you're probably running a route that is not designed to beat the defense you're covering. It's designed to this is our base offense. Maybe they'll throw in a little bit of game plan. Um, so you just got to go out and beat the guy in front of you. And sometimes you, you might not be in a situation to beat the guy in front of you because the zone or the man matchup dictates that you're taken out of the play. So I don't want to say like, if, if Caden Saunders comes out and has no catches like that, that's a problem. It would be a disappointment, but, um, it's always on the positive side. Does he toast a dude is Liam Clifford, the quality, reliable slot option that can catch the ball and get the first down. Um, it's all just that it's who flashes. And that's why fundamentally I mistrust that because it's about who flashes. If you catch one ball for 40 yards, then all of a sudden someone's saying Malik McLean, uh, uh, the truth is real. Like what we've been saying that he might be is what he is. And that's, that's the danger of these games is you. It's more reliant on a smaller number of plays, which is again, going back to, I got to watch him run routes. Uh, so you got to watch the film to really know about the receivers and that's why in the game, that's where your emotions can kind of take you at those specific positions. Yeah, you have to discern if a guy gets a 40-yard gain because the defensive back fell down. Exactly. You, you have yeah. to factor that in, into your judgment. But I think also I'm wondering, you know, where is there a play or is there a receiver, say, that Drew Aller seems to be gravitating towards looking to more yeah. often. I think that's also tells us something T Frank. Yeah. I mean, it, it does. There's also the reality that certain players at certain, certain positions have more targets that where they're the primary target. So that's also a part of it where um, it's, it, it's more complicated than that. Cause it always is. Cause it's football, but at, at a certain point, like your X receiver is probably your number one target on more plays than your Z and your slot. So you've got to, you've got to keep that in mind as well. And that also at wide receiver, it's who are they putting where, <laughs> you know, so that could tell you yep. what the coaches are thinking. Uh, James Franklin talked about uh, Trey Wallace and Keandre Lambert Smith as the guys who have separated themselves. You're looking for anything special from those two. I just want to see again. I just want to see him run routes. I, I want to see Trey Wallace. I want to see where he's improved as a route runner, a vertical threat. He was great last year. I want to see him run crisp routes all over the field. And for uh, Lambert Smith, kind of the same thing. But I know more about that. I just want to confirm really what we've seen of, of Keandro, what we've heard about him. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter number two. We're going to interrupt blue-white game preview with Ask T. Frank. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three, which means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank. And at the end of the segment, T. Frank's going to pick out the best question. And whoever's question he selects, they will be the winner of our prize pack, which is a nice package from the 409 Tailgate Club, including their new coffee barbecue rubs. Mr. T. Frank, are you ready for your questions? Yes. Yes, I am. Definitively. Okay. Let's uh, let's start with Joe from Tunkanic, who I actually stole a little bit of Joe's thunder. Maybe I didn't re- realize this when I asked it, but it's a little bit of a repeat, T. Frank. He says, hey, T. Frank, love your take on Penn State football. And talking about wide receivers and so many of the options available right now, how much effect is there with the relationship a wide receiver may have with the quarterback? In other words, Will Aller have a connection with a specific receiver and that have an effect on where he throws the ball? Yes and no. I do believe it is a factor, but I think that when we want, when we get into these moments, we can oversimplify and we can make it all about this instead of about it is, it's a combination of what is the assignment? What are you expected to do on every single play? And that is first, that is foremost, that is paramount. If you have a concept and they give it to you, like the defense gives you the correct thing, you're not going to pass up throwing the football to Malik Mega uh, because you don't trust him to catch it. You shouldn't do that. That's that's to me the first thing. So it, you're and then the offensive coordinator is putting guys in position to succeed based on what they've done in practice and the best possibility of getting a big play. So that is going to naturally and and pre-select what we see on game day as who's getting the most targets, who's getting the most trust from uh, the quarterback and from the offense coordinator. It's all kind of baked in already, but there are those moments where 
flushed from the pocket. I got to make a quick decision. I'm scrambling. I look to X. And I do think that's where the trust for the quarterback comes in. Or maybe in for a younger quarterback, I need to throw a ball with precision and timing. And I hesitate until the guy's open because I don't trust him to turn and catch the ball with anticipation like I expect him to. I'm still technically doing my job correctly. I'm still throwing it to the designed route, but I'm not doing it the, the most efficient way because I don't trust that receiver. Or I do trust that receiver. I think you saw with Sean Clifford, he would throw with anticipation and timing to Parker Washington. And and those things where he would throw into zones, throw guys open, it was more with the guys he had had a longer rapport with. So I'm not surprised that Keandre Lambert-Smith and Trey Wallace are, are the players that we are hearing have separated themselves from the pack because that's who Drew Aller was throwing to last year as a second-team quarterback getting some reps with the first team. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and it is about communication. I asked Drew Aller this about uh, last week about his job and, and his role of, like, we talk about leadership, and we just throw out leadership kind of as this puke of a question in terms of, like, Okay, so what does that mean? What does leadership mean? And one of the best definitions I've ever heard is effective leadership is communicating people's responsibility to them in a clear and concise way so they know what's expected. They know how to execute their job. The quarterback is the quasi-offensive coordinator. So his job is to communicate with his receivers and, and have them understand their job, their role, and how he specifically wants it done on every play to his liking within the structure of the offense. That is the job of the quarterback is communicating to everyone. What's the plan? Everyone on the same page. And there are guys you communicate better with. There are guys that you uh, just click with. So there will be that natural inclination, but it's all about the play. It's all about the formation and all of the tactics first. So yes, I, I think Joe, you ask a good question and there's a lot of nuance into this. Um, and, and it also depends on the quarterback's personality. Like Aaron Rodgers is a very different quarterback than, Patrick Mahomes, you know, in the NFL of, of the guys we've seen of mercurial football players that won't throw the football to somebody if they don't trust him. Aaron Rodgers is notorious for that. Patrick Mahomes will throw it to literally anybody if they're open within the structure because he's really good at the position. All right, let's go to Pat in Cheshire, Connecticut. He says, hey, T. Frank, I've worked in organizational management, so I'm curious on the org setup of college football team. What are the roles and responsibility of the coaches and what are the reporting structures? Also, I might be wrong, but it seems like all college teams more or less do it the same. Is there any room for a different setup at college? Any possibility to make a GM role and then a full-time coach to split up responsibilities? So, yes and no. Okay, uh, so let, let me just say that I have never been a part of a college football program. So, Pat in Connecticut, who's an organizational uh, expert, uh, of, of you're going to know more about the ins and outs of a business than I do. I am in my profession. I wouldn't say I'm on the bottom rung in terms of like level of importance, but like reporting structure. I, I don't No one reports to me. So I, I don't have any of those insights personally. Um, but secondarily, the observation is there's a couple different structures. And the, the most important thing for me, for what fans see, and let's keep it there for a second, is that who's calling the play? So if you've got, and this is where Penn State fans have not liked James Franklin because they want him to be a mastermind of the offense. They want him to be the guy that is the quarterback whisperer and he's calling the plays. That puts added stress on his plate 
as uh, the guy calling the plays and managing the game and managing the personnel and all of the stuff that we just talked about with quarterbacks and like trust and systems and things like that. It's his job to make sure everyone is going in the right direction and you're not leaning one way or the other too far, you know, in terms of, hey, we call the play, run the play and don't ad lib or throw to your best friend. Like those are also the head coach's job. So that I think is the biggest difference is if you've got an offensive or defensive coordinator, that's your head coach. He's calling the plays and managing the game. That is a lot of stuff. So there are ancillary uh, people within the structure that are the timeout specialists, the, uh, the analytics specialists that are looking at all the different scenarios and the head coach knows all these things, but it's like, okay, somebody's looking at the paper and saying, in this situation, this is what we should do. And then the coach says, okay, sure. But then I want to do this because of the other data that's on that sheet. Those are all the things that the head coach has to manage. Now let's step away from the game. And that's just a very like slap bang, quick conversation about on field stuff, which happens in a car crash situation anyway, where there's a lot of uh, adrenaline and chaos. Organizationally, there are people that have a quasi general manager role in college football, there are people that are a chief of staff is kind of the uh, shortcut term. And then Andy Frank is, uh, I think, player. It's not player development, but Andy Frank is a behind the scenes guy. That's like the recruiting coordinator, the head of the structure. So he is responsible for a lot of the stuff that goes into managing uh, Blue White Weekend with the recruits, managing when guys come and visit, managing guys that you're looking at, managing the staff that is doing some of the advanced scouting work to get to the coaches all those things, there is this deep um, behind the scenes structure that supports the guys on the field that you see. Now, those guys have to be in everything. They have to be in recruiting. They have to be in development. They have to be in uh, physical development, you know, in, in Chuck Losey's area to understand what's going on there. So they have to have their hands in everything. But there are support structures behind the organization that do a lot of these things. The what all of the things we do because we talk about the things fans care about. They don't know who Andy Frank is, so they don't necessarily want to have a long conversation about what his job is. We just go right to James Franklin is a good recruiter, but not a good coach, which is so far from the truth, but it's the accepted narrative. So that's where we get to these shortcuts and these answers that get into, into an established media cycle. But it is always because football is always more complicated than that. I think also uh, T. Frank here, Pat, he sees the NFL structure where you have a general yeah. manager and a head coach and there's who's really running this operation. You hear mm -hmm. like here in Pennsylvania, there's the Eagles, there's Howie Roseman, who's the GM. It feels like he really controls the draft and player personnel yeah. issues. I'm sorry. And I don't think that that structure will exist in college. So, so to that specific example, I don't think that will because the coach has more power now and he can pick his players through recruiting. I, I don't think that, that I don't think that structure would ever exist in, in college football. I could be wrong, but I think it's a disadvantage for the head coach who has that power right now. When you're paying seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars for that head coach, he's the one who's going to be running it. There is no one. Andy Frank isn't the guy making seven, eight, nine million dollars yeah. like James Franklin is. And, you know, to quote Bill Parcells, you know, if you expect me to cook the meal, let me buy the groceries. And that's, you know, part of the setup. But I do think there is a little bit of a tilt going where now when you have to with the transfer portal, 
where the scouting of players is even bigger than it was just even a few years ago because you're not yeah. just scouting high school. You're scouting everybody in the country. You're scouting the transfer portal. I think head coaches have to lean on these guys a little bit more than they yes. used to. There were always people helping with that, but now I just think it's even more so, T. Frank. I think you could see a shift, and I should say you won't see a shift. You could see a shift if there's a salary cap. Because remember, the general manager is not just responsible for player acquisition. He's uh, responsible for player retention and the business side of everything, like the business side of everything. So because it's a professional organization where there aren't these weird blurry lines, there is a very clear definition of on-field and off-field. So the way it's evolved in college is there's no definition of on-field and off. Like, you know, there's not a business side of things because they're student athletes and all of our moral superiority about that. If there is an NIL Salary cap, you might actually see GMs. That, that might change. Well, and you don't have the situation. You make a good point, like you do in Philadelphia, where Bijan Robinson might be a great pickup for the Eagles, but you need a general manager who to say, hey, wait a minute, if I'm going to use a top 10 pick, I'm not going to use it on a guy who probably will only be here three or four years. I want a guy who's a 10-year guy going to be here a long time. That isn't part of the college game. But yep. there's just now so many more players that you have to look at that I think there's more scouting responsibilities, more off the field. And it's also why I think that there's situations now where there are very few head coaches who call the plays on offense because there's just so much going on that it's it's too much responsibility for a head coach, T. Frank. Yeah. And that's before game day as well. Like, you know, to develop the game plan and be a part of it, but then to have the intimate knowledge inside and out of everything. And I'm not saying that James Franklin doesn't understand his playbook, but what I'm saying is like, he's got to be responsible for everything, all of it, hundred percent of it. So he can't be the foremost expert. That's Mike Yurcich's job. He's freeing up that Ram in his brain to be the best overseer of Penn state football in every aspect. All right, that is it for Ask T. Frank. Stick around. We'll name our winner at the start of quarter number four. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. 
So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. We headed to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. He is T. Frank. I am Jim. This is quarter number four of our show. We just finished up Ask T. Frank. We had a grand total of two questions that we got to T. Frank. We need a winner. It's either Joe or Pat. I mean, come on. We spent like 12 minutes of a 13-minute segment on Pat's question. So, uh, yeah, Pat, that, I, I loved both questions, especially Joe. I mean, it had to take a special Drew Aller to kick you out of the spot. Uh, and, and that Pat's question was, was that about the organization because I wanted to grow up and be a general manager in the NFL. So like I, the, the, that's always fascinated me. I have a lot of interesting insight, not insight, a lot of interesting thoughts and, and I'm interested in that subject. Um, but they're both great questions this week. I, once again, I wish Joe had asked this question next week. We have a bunch of duds, but Pat, excellent <laughs> job. You, you win in the, in the race of 98 and 99 overall, you win this week. I really like Pat's question, too. And in fact, T. Frank, I think it's worthy of a segment sometime maybe this summer on the, in the dog days of summer. You and I could talk about this more. And I'd be curious what you thought about how those roles are changing with time. We alluded to it a little bit. You know, what what effect does transfer portal have on everybody's role, both you got to scout guys coming in, but you got to retain the guys that you have, not to mention NIL, which also adds another layer of complexity to it. All right, T. Frank, we got a ball game coming up this weekend. Let's get back to it. And we talked uh, in the first segment, we, of course, talked about the quarterbacks. We talked about the wide receivers. Staying on the offensive side, it sounds like a couple of the tight ends at the top of the heap are nicked up a little bit. Mm -hmm. The plus to that is I think we know who Tyler Warren is and Theo Johnson. I don't think anything will change that much, no matter how they would perform in a blue white game. The great advantage to this is there are a lot more guys left in that tight end room. This gives them a chance to play. And that could be the case at other positions also. Yeah, so I'm really only interested in Khalil Dinkins here from a how does it translate to the fall perspective. I know fans are very excited about Jerry Cross because he's a giant human and he, mo- and he moves really well. He was very raw from what I heard or what I saw last year. He was very raw coming into, into college. And some of the conversation that James Franklin has had around this position has been Khalil Dinkins and Khalil Dinkins, which tells me Jerry Cross has not taken that step so far. Now, we might see something during the game. You know, like, the, again, I will obviously be watching and paying attention, but it's more about what does that tight end three in the offense look like and how does Khalil fill that role? And then for the freshmen, I have not at all planned on um, Joey Schlaffer or Mega Barnwell being a part of the conversation of actual play anyway. Um, I've also seen a lot of their film from high school. 
So progress is important, but I'm also not like super interested when, as I said, we've got so many other things to talk about that I, I'm probably going to spend less time talking about them. Um, just as a, I don't know if this is mean or not. I don't mean it to be, but this is the point of like Joey Schlaffer. I thought he was a run on when I saw him working the other day and he's just got a long way to go physically before he's, he's filled out in that position. That's what this, that's what this is for. So what this first year is for for him. So he is not at all behind the the eight ball or anything. I just he's going to have a long way to go to fill out into being a tight end. And so I'm looking at Khalil Dinkins. I'm curious about the offensive line, T. Frank. You got those two star freshmen coming in. What are you looking for there? And can you glean anything from this kind of game from the offensive line? Yeah, so there is more at the offensive line. It's harder because, you know, it's a, it, it's so muddled in there. But yes, I am looking for more from those offensive linemen in terms of they have had more time to develop physically and they were closer to translating those skills to the field. So I think the guy that I'm most interested in is uh, obviously Alex Birchmeyer is the guy that has a chance to really play. But I am curious to see what is the plan with Javen Williams right now. Uh, he's been practicing on the left. How is his kick step? He was not a good pass protector from what I saw in high school, and it looked really hard for him this offseason when I was watching him in some uh, camp settings. Um, then you've got Anthony Donko, who is ahead of where I am on him. Like, I am lower on him than a lot of people, and I'm willing to be wrong about that, but I also have some concerns just in general there that I want to see a little bit of, okay, what are his football instincts? Now that he's been with expert coaches for a little while, he's been always talented, but is that going to translate? And are we going to see some of the first sparks of that happen? But before we even get to that, I want to see how is Landon Tangwall? Is he healthy? Is he going to be participating in this game? How does JB Nelson look in a, in a, an extended period of time? If Tangwall isn't playing, and then at the right side, we all know how I feel about Vega. So those are the things I'm looking at. And then, you know, general checking up on, we've heard a lot of good things about Caden Wallace and how he's taken a step forward this year. So that's, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of information I want to gather at the offensive line. That's really quarterback and O-line is where I'm going to be looking during the blue-white game. Let's take a quick look at the other side of the ball on defense now. I mentioned this earlier this week on our show with Dustin that the defense is a little bit different because it doesn't seem to be that same kind of pecking order as there is on offense. This is your starting quarterback. This is your backup quarterback. On defense, there's such a rotation. I've said yep. it's like there's 22 starters. So I think it's also they're looking for what specific individuals are you looking for on defense? Uh, <laughs> Tony Rojas, uh, I think is, uh, you know, one of the, one of the few freshmen like that I really want to see, um, is Tony Rojas. Now there's a lot of freshmen that I want to see. Andrew Ravelier is not here, but, uh, Tony Rojas in terms of a guy that can play King Mac, I'm just bringing up all the guys that aren't in spring football, but, uh, Tony, Tony has done a lot of stuff that he needed to do this time of the year to be a factor. And then uh, I want to see the on-field translation because during drills, what we've seen in spring, I am wowed by his. I, I shouldn't be wowed by his movement skills, but how natural he took to um, dropping into coverage just in drills looks really good. 
So is he going to be a serious factor? Is he going to be a partial factor? I want to get some of that information. And again, it's just the first piece of information, and a lot of it's not going to come until the fall. But we can start to build a positive or negative picture based on some of the stuff we see today. Um, and then defensive tackle, another place I'm looking for. This is this is the place where you got to know some things, right? That You can see a little bit more because the interactions are very one-on-one. They're very win-lose in terms of did you get pulled, did you get pushed out of your gap by the offensive line, which is a good offensive line. So we've heard good buzz about Caleb Artis. If he could solve that big-bodied one-technique problem, that would be amazing for Penn State. Uh, that's something that I think I'm going to be paying attention to. Does he look lost on the field? Does it does it look like it clicks for him? Because if it clicks, then then Penn State's in a good situation. Zane Durant, another guy you want to get a, a update on. OK, where is he in, in his development? Good. I don't know if good is good enough, you know, because he was good last year. He flashed last year. I think for Penn State fans to be happy, he's got to be a little bit better than good. He's got to stand out. Um, but again, it's the blue white game. I'm not going to read too much into that. I'm just saying long term this year. I think those are the expectations that he becomes a, a name you hear a lot. Um, and then finally, I, I think that the last place. OK, before I get to the last place, the one thing I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of is third down packages, sub packages and the use of Abdul Carter. Are they going to move him into Mike linebacker a lot in uh, these sub packages or are they going to keep him at will? and, you know, kind of do their normal mix and match. Uh, we might see a little bit of it. Manny Diaz doesn't show us nothing, but he definitely doesn't show us everything. So that's one thing I'm keeping an eye on. Where is Abdul at all times? And then the corners. I want to know more about St- Storm Duck. I want to know more about the guys behind Dixon and King. And I think that's another place we can learn some things about some of the young guys and some of the guys that just came in. Safeties, I think we know who they are. It's just going to be about the pecking order there. I'm looking for some of these, like you mentioned, safety. A guy like K.J. Winston, who there's so much positive talk about him, I'd love to see a guy like that step up. You know, is there someone else? Is is Ken Wiley a player at linebacker? You know, some mm-hmm. of these names that are, it's the next generation or the next group. Are there things that, as a fan like myself, is there advice you could give us in watching this game? What should we be looking for from these guys? Are there any traits beyond, hey, if the guy makes an interception and returns it for a touchdown, that's good, right? What else, well, we joked about Dom DeLuca subtle. last year. <laughs> we made but the joke that Dom DeLuca. And he, yeah. And, and he Go was ahead. a factor this season. So if yes. what we saw at Blue White game actually meant something. So are there things that we should be looking for that, you know, as the normal fan, we might not look for, but you as the expert could help us in watching this game, watch the quarterback. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so yes, there, there are, but here's, here's the situation is like, it comes down to positional skills. So if you understand what a linebacker is expected to do in any situation and you watch them and you can see, okay, This guy read and recognized and reacted really quickly. That is an excellent sign. So if Keon Wiley is uh, triggering downhill on run plays and looks really good and he's in his gap and he's making plays and he's not guessing, that's the hard part is you can look good and be guessing and just guess right a couple times. But like really it it comes down to uh, positional fundamentals. Like did you execute your assignment correctly? So if, if you're watching the corners and they're staying in phase with the receiver or if they're in zone, they're keeping their zone and their eyes are active and they're preventing passes. 
Like you see a route coming into their zone and they react to it and they drop into the right spot. They get into the passing lane. Um, safeties, their their anticipation, their rotation, their crispness in the run game and then in the pass game, rotating to the right spot. These are all the things that um, are are important to the picture of, okay, they're going to be good. Here, here's this, here, I'll give you an example. Last year, during the blue-white game, I was really impressed with what Zaki Wheatley was able to do as a slot corner. He was patient, and he broke on the ball really well, really effectively. He shut down a couple of plays just by um, being obnoxious in, in the slot. And that translated last year, too. He had ball skills. So there are some things. He was not a one-on-one corner shutdown sort of guy, but he did show he had a good instinct for the ball, which we knew from reports during the spring. So seeing individual things like that, and it's it's so case by case that it's hard to say, here's one thing. But it, I would say pick a position, pick a player you want to know more about, and then watch them and see if they perform well. All right. Very good, T. Frank. And unfortunately, we didn't have enough time to ask you about the kicking game. That will have to wait until next week. Defensive ends are great. There's another one for you. (laughs) That is it for our show. Everyone enjoy the game on Saturday. Get back with us next week. We'll be talking about that game. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We Are NIL Collective helps Penn State compete in the new world of collegiate athletics, and you can help us. Hi, this is Michael Krenzman, founding member of We Are NIL, and I'm inviting you to join the football parents and the folks from Keystone Sportsnet at a tailgate party for the blue-white game. Enjoy great food from 409 Tailgate Club and beer from Neutral Brewery, all from the exclusive Revel XP lot near the stadium. This is your chance to also talk football with the guys from Keystone Sports and meet some players' families. So get your tickets at thetailgateclub.com. Thanks very much. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are.